From coast to coast to coast, you're listening to Terra Informa. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Sonic Patel, and I'll be your host for the next half hour of environmental news. I'd like to begin this episode by acknowledging that we are situated in Edmonton, Alberta, on Treaty 6, the historic and present territory of Cree, Métis, Blackfoot, Dene, and many other First Peoples that live and gather here. While you listen to this week's episode, consider your connections to the land, the connections of those that came before you, and the connections of those that will come after. This week, Terra Informer Sean Ho sat down with two members of RED, Renewable Energy Design, to chat about net zero innovation on campus. But before we get to that conversation, here are this week's headlines. Berkshire Hathaway Energy Canada, a subsidiary of a company run by American investor Warren Buffett, has announced that they will begin building a new wind farm in Alberta, breaking ground next year. The Rattlesnake Ridge Wind Project is planned to go up southwest of Medicine Hat and is expected to generate 117.6 megawatts, enough to power 76,000 homes. According to the Canadian Wind Energy Association, the size of Alberta's wind power sector ranks third in Canada, and it is growing. Despite this new renewable energy project on the breeze in Alberta, elsewhere in Western Canada, last week's winds weren't so favorable for green energy. SAS Power, Saskatchewan's principal electric utility, rolled out a new net metering program for the province, which came into effect November 1st. Net metering allows those generating excess electricity through solar panels to capitalize on the energy they put back into the grid. But the terms of the new program are being met with severe criticism from solar industry experts. While the new program has no cap on program capacity, an issue with its predecessor for which the quota was reached much more quickly than expected, the price for excess energy has dropped significantly, to a credit of roughly half of the retail price offered in the old program. This could impact the incentive for going solar, potentially almost doubling the number of years it could take to make back the price of installation. As well, the new program comes with the elimination of former rebates for equipment and installation of solar panels across the province. SAS Power has cited negative impacts to their bottom line and concerns about passing these costs to non-solar producing customers as reasons for the controversial changes. That's it for headlines, now on to this week's story. Sean Ho interviewed Matthew Denoliuk and Daniel Alexander from Renewable Energy Design, a student engineering group at the University of Alberta, aiming to make university a greener place through developing net zero products. They talked about the inspiration for starting the group and current sustainability design products, such as the solar phone charging station, which is scheduled for installment in the Students' Union building. Could you begin by telling us your name and a little bit about yourself? Sure, so my name's Matt or Matthew. I'm a lead project manager of Renewable Energy Design, RED. I'm in my third year of my undergrad in neuroscience, but I just thought I'd get involved with some sustainability initiatives on campus and I've been having a good time with it so far. 
Yeah, I'm Daniel Alexander. I am the project manager for our solar team in RED. Uh, I'm a fifth year mechanical engineering co-op student. Um, I have quite a bit of solar background. I just got back from a 12 month co-op term in Germany, so you could call me the solar expert of the team. So uh, yeah, it's a great club to be a part of. So uh, could you give us an introduction of the Renewable Energy Design Group? Sure, so basically RED started late 2017 with a focus on, okay, how can we get engineering students involved practically applying what they learned in their degree to actually building sustainable products for use around campus? That was sort of the mantra of the group from the very beginning. Um, our very first project kind of started up a bit after that in 2018 with our initial solar charger. Um, the charger was pretty cool. It was a unique product. It had like, a bunch of modul modular units to it so you could customize it. Um, we thought we could do more. We thought we could do more than just the single charge unit. Um, so we started to expand our project team capabilities from that. And right now we're working on a bunch of different cool projects. So um, after a brief hiatus of our group, we're back making some cool projects. Uh, like I mentioned, like Daniel mentioned, he's doing the, uh, he's a, our solar lead for our solar charger project, which is going to be um, hopefully a pretty big unit going up in sub that we're going to talk some more about. We also have a wind turbine project that's currently undergoing research and are part of a big project team for something that's going to be a, um, a net zero greenhouse to break ground in the East Campus Village, hopefully. So those are some pretty interesting projects we're a part of right now. And yeah, like I say, we're just focused on getting engineering students um, having the chance to practically apply what they learned in their degree to building a more sustainable campus. So the, so the group started out in um, 2017, was it? Mm -hmm. uh, Larry Zong started out the group and he wanted to expand the renewable energy uh, presence on campus. So we started this club to really increase the student initiative. What are some of your roles in the project and how did you get involved? Cool. Um, so for me, right now my role is as our lead project manager. I kind of oversee how each of our projects are proceeding. So like I mentioned, we have three projects right now, the solar charger, the wind turbine, and the net zero housing project. Um, all of those are at varying stages in their developmental process. We'll talk a bit more in depth about all of them, obviously. Uh, but basically, yeah, I, I oversee what's going on with those. I'll chat with the project managers every now and again to make sure everything's going along nicely. Um, and yeah, just kind of jump in and help out when I can with any sort of logistical managerial stuff. I am absolutely not an engineer, so I could not design you a solar charger. So I just oversee it and um, yeah, hopefully we produce something good from there. It's going pretty well so far. Yeah, and so and as, I, as I said before, I'm the project manager for the solar charger, which is going up in sub. Um, I started out in the club with the first rendition of the solar charger, which was a modular design like uh, Matt talked about. And now that we completed that project, Student Union was impressed and wanted us to develop a larger sized solar charger that would go inside a sub. And so that's what we're working on right now is a 100 watt solar charger that can charge a series of phones. Uh, and it'll be going inside of the sub atrium, hopefully in January if we complete it in time. So my role is managing all the people who are working on that project, uh, managing both the structural and electrical teams and making sure everything stays on task and we're shooting ahead as quickly as we can. What are some of your current projects? 
Some of our current projects include, as Matt already said, um, the Net Zero Greenhouse Project, um, Wind Turbine Project, and our Solar Charger Project, uh, which is going up in sub. So right now we're only working on three, but we're looking into possible projects for our future right now. Yeah, so our solar charger that's going up inside of sub, um, we've went through a few concept phases now, and right now we're working on the actual design of the of the machine. And so we're looking at using a typical 100 watt uh, solar panel, which will be, which you can use on a roof, but we'll be putting this on top of a table. Um, so we're combining uh, structural, electrical, and design philosophy into designing this machine. We're trying to make it as elegant as we can to fit the space of sub. So we're trying to get this solar charger to match both aesthetically and function-wise into sub. So we're trying to we're trying to combine not just the, the the physical engineering of the object, but the artistic appearance of the object as well. Because I think that's very very valuable that engineers learn how to do that. Um, there's there's both form and function needs to go together in engineering design. So uh, yeah, we plan on finishing building the project uh, by the end of November, testing it out in December, and then we will be doing an unveiling event in January, uh, and we'll see where the project goes from there. And yeah, just to touch on our two other projects, um, so the wind turbine design, that's ideally going to be another fixture that's going to be put on campus. That is, like I say, not quite as developed as a phase as Daniel's charger, which is moving along full speed ahead on schedule nicely to get installed in sub, um, barring safety testing and all the other logistical logistics along the way. Um, but yeah, so the turbine is in its very early stages of research and getting a conceptual design of what we actually want to do with it. Um, so that's probably our least progressed project as of now. The net zero project is a really interesting one. It's, um, it's one we're not currently directly involved with with our engineers. Uh, I can't speak too much on it, but basically there's a big project team with uh, profs, different student groups, um, some third parties that want to bring a net zero greenhouse to campus. And we've got um, some of our administrative members on the project team for that. And we're looking at getting our engineers involved in data monitoring of, the actual, of an actual um, final solar greenhouse product um, potentially even in the um, the actual working of the electrical as well, but um, that hasn't that again hasn't been confirmed to us yet. Um, so we're involved in those two projects, but right now our flagship project is absolutely the solar charger that's scheduled. Um, it's looking good for installation, so we're hoping for the best there. Yeah, nice. So you just mentioned Nice Zero products. So what role do Nice Zero products play in the current climate change environment? Yeah, so I actually think there's a pretty big role to be played of the market in terms of actually providing solutions for climate change. Um, you know, you kind of hear about how um, free market kind of it's done more to cause the problem of climate change than anything. But I actually think it, it provides a really good potential for innovators and people who start their own businesses and their companies to actually provide some net zero solutions that can actually help abate the threats of climate change. Um, so backtracking a bit, I'm a believer that people choose what's convenient choose the path of least resistance more often than not. Um, so why take the bus when you can drive and it's faster? Why go vegan when eating meat is more efficient? That kind of thing. But so if a company or somebody who makes a product comes along and it's more convenient, it's better. So say our solar charging unit, it's better, it's cooler, it's more efficient than other charging options on campus, then people will choose that as the path of least resistance and you'll start to see some actionable change as far as environmental impact comes along. 
I think the best example you can look at that lately is the trend towards the um, the uh, Beyond Meat burgers that are everywhere now. So like A&W business boomed after that. They're in grocery stores. They're this, that. They're everywhere. Um, so something like that is what we're, is what um, these net zero products play because you're making it almost too easy, almost too hard not to choose the sustainable choice when you make things that work, things that are cool, and things that are sustainable. Then obviously, like I said, you can start to um, have an actionable impact on the environment from that. I think Daniel wanted to mention something about it as well. Um, yeah, I would like to expand the question a little bit more and sort of reverse the question. Um, something that I'm concerned about isn't how net zero products play a role in climate change situation, but also how climate change situation um, influences the market of net zero products. Um, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say here is that as the world becomes increasingly uh, climate conscious, uh, I believe that the, the market will start to shrink for oil and gas and um, non-renewable energy sectors. Of course, there will always be a market for oil and gas, um, but I think it will shrink more and more as we become a more uh, climate conscious society. And so if that happens, we have many engineers inside of this university who are looking at going um, and working in the economy. But if in 20 or 30 years, the climate change gets to such a severe level that the, that the oil and gas industry, the cost of oil starts, uh, starts diving, what other energy market do we have in Alberta? We have a huge potential in Alberta for producing solar energy, but there's, there's this culture in Alberta that says that we can't, we can't produce solar energy because we're an oil and gas uh, province. And so I think it's important to bring this alternative energy source as another potential market for future engineers where maybe in even five years some of the students who are in school right now might not be able to get a job inside of oil and gas because it might crash again. Uh, I want to explore if we can teach engineers in this university of another energy sector that once they leave school that they can go and find a job in solar power, wind power, um, or any of the other economies and maybe help grow that economy inside of Alberta as well. So we're, we're becoming not just an oil and gas province, but we're just becoming a non-renewable and a renewable energy province at the same time. What do you think is the biggest challenges that you, your group faces or the industry faces? Sure, yeah. So as Daniel was kind of touching on just there, um, the insistence on oil and gas is obviously always going to be a limitation for renewable energy design and not just with our group, but with just design in general. Um, like Daniel said, there's a resistance to embracing that. Um, and that, that's not just an Alberta thing. That's kind of just like uh, a reluctance to embrace renewables as the future. There's a lot of money in oil and gas. There's a lot of jobs in oil and gas, and you certainly don't want to disrupt the workers. I think as a student group, there's more specific challenges, though, than just the industry as a whole. And Daniel is going to touch on that. Yeah, so something that we've struggled with um, while I've been at the club and while I've been gone away from the club is really student confidence. Um, student confidence plays an absolutely huge role into the success of a student organization. 
So if you look at a club like FSA, the, the racing car club on campus, they have, um, they have many resources available to increase the confidence of the members. Um, lots of different workshops and lots of uh, organizations that really improve the confidence of the members. Uh, something I notice about myself is that if my confidence in my work is low, my productivity is low as well. I'm always second-guessing what I'm working on, um, and I'm not getting my productivity out the door, my product out the door. Um, so that's something that I'm really trying to focus on, and I think is part of the reason why the Solar Charger project is shooting ahead right now, is I'm trying to instill confidence in the students. They, they know what they're doing, they have competency, um, that's why they're here in school. But a lot of them are just missing that, missing that confidence. They think that whatever they design isn't good enough to actually get built. But I say, why, why not try? If it fails, at least you tried and then you get to learn for next time. So rather than sitting in a perpetual concept phase that the, that the solar project had been sitting in for a long time, um, I came here and I just said, let's get moving. Like it doesn't matter if it's perfect, we'll test it out, we'll try to all improve our design skills and hopefully that'll instill confidence in the students because if they believe what they're designing is going to work, probably is going to work. Yeah, that's exactly it is student confidence and I, I think just for students in general, whether they're working in uh, designing sustainable products as engineers or just any other field, it's about confidence, it's about understanding that you're capable of far more than you would ever imagine. Just knowing what you know from lecture and actually applying that in the real world. I see that with all these groups on campus, like it's not just with us where we're designing the solar charger, we see it with groups all over campus that students are capable of some pretty incredible things. Um, so having that confidence to actually sit there and say, we can apply what we've learned in lecture to the real world, um, it's huge. And that's what breeds innovation is when people are confident and they're able to actually apply the ideas learned in lecture to the real world and actually make something tangible, whether it be a solar charger or something else. So yeah, that's absolutely huge for, um, for student productivity. I totally agree with that. So what is the biggest achievement for you guys so far? Yeah, so we've, we've completed one project so far. Uh, that was our Solar Charger 1.0. Uh, it received some pretty positive feedback. It was, uh, the idea behind the design was modularity. So we started off with uh, three different modules, a USB plug-in, the actual solar charger itself, the solar cell, and then a battery pack as well. And so we wanted to design a system that you could plug in all of these components whichever way you want and get the, the solar power to charge the battery or to charge your phone. We wanted this, this we just wanted to practice modular design. And so we completed that project and it was successful and it was successfully able to charge a phone. Um, our group worked on an incredible unveiling video and had a very successful unveiling event. And that's what spoke to our new project, which was the solar charger to go inside a sub. So our new project isn't modular design, but it's really built off of the experience that we got from the success of the first project. What is your vision for the future? Um, so since I'm in my final year, uh, I'll be leaving the club soon. So my vision for the future is trying to um, build up the momentum as best as we can with this solar project. So just getting it out the door and doing an excellent job on that and turning that momentum into success of other projects. So we want to line up a few other projects that once the students are done with the solar project, they can jump onto those other ones and get them moving forward at the same rate that they were moving forward with the solar project. And yeah, I guess vision for the immediate future is 
why stop at one? Why stop at one solar charger? Why stop at one fixture on campus? How can we expand these and make it so it's not just one thing we get in, we say that's cool, and then we're done with it? Why not get? Why not have this be such a success that we can get? We can uh, almost petition the university to get more on campus. Obviously, there's no guarantee of that, but it'd be it'd be nice if we can push in that direction. And why not take the confidence, like Daniel said, from that, get some momentum going so we can build more and more products in the next couple of years. And again, not just have one on campus, but have different charging stations, maybe the wind turbine kicks off when we have a couple of those, and really just become a fixture on campus and build the confidence of our engineers that way. Um, and then, yeah, I'm in my third year, so I still got another year to go. So hopefully carrying over the momentum, like Daniel said, and we can do some uh, pretty good stuff, some pretty exciting things in the next year and a half I'm hoping to oversee. What is your idea of sustainability design? Yeah, so talking about um, sustainable energy, first of all, uh, there's two, two major ways that you can get a lot of energy out of a system. One is really high efficiency and one is a really high yield area. Um, so really high efficiency is uh, a solar panel that draws in 20% of power from the sunlight. Uh, and then there's also solar panels which cover out, uh, solar panels that have really low efficiency but cover a really huge area. Um, so in terms of sustainability design in Canada, we have a lot of open space. That's, that's what we just have in abundance. So we aren't as concerned about really high efficiency because we, the land isn't as valuable as it is in other locations around the world. So we're mostly concerned of yield area. Um, in terms of sustainability design, totally. Um, something that engineers really have to consider is how to make it more attractive to um, the average citizen. So in terms of public transit versus driving your own car, eating beef versus eating vegan, um, choosing to use renewable energy over using oil and gas, it's all, it's all what's convenient. Uh, so if you want to see a huge increase in the amount of people who are riding the bus every day, you want to make it um, more comfortable, more efficient, um, with more options of where you can go. And so that's, uh, that's where there was a conversation between traveling between Calgary and Edmonton using a train line. That would be incredibly convenient. Just pack a bunch of people onto a train that's traveling both ways uh, compared to packing a few people on a bus. Um, you can get 10 busloads of people down to Calgary uh, for a portion of the carbon footprint. Um, same way with the buses is if you have an efficient system, uh, people will be more likely to use it. But in Canada, uh, we don't have the most efficient system for transportation. So once it gets to the winter months and your bus is 10 minutes late, you don't want to sit out in the minus 30 degrees weather for 10 minutes. That's why so many people love having a car and uh, there's no public transportation options anywhere outside of the big cities in Alberta. Um, so that's, that's why people were so aggravated by the um, carbon tax was because what other option do they have? The, the system 
to fight against our carbon footprint was incredibly inefficient. It is incredibly inefficient. So if we want to see more people going for the sustainable route, we have to make it as accessible as possible. So there's a variety of ways to do that, as Matt already talked about before. So I think that's really what engineers have to think about is um, efficiency, cost, just try to make sustainability as attractive as possible. It, it, we shouldn't punish people for going the non-sustainable route if we don't have a good sustainable route to go on instead. For people who are interested in the renewable energy engineering practice, uh, which resources you would recommend for people to look into? Honestly, there's so much uh, information on renewable design just online. There's so many papers. It's a, it's a booming industry right now, uh, especially in Europe. Um, so you can find so much information on wind energy and solar energy, especially solar energy. So if you just Google how does solar energy work, you'll get 500 pages to show up on Google, Google, and it's a good place to start, honestly. Um, just read through one paper and all of a sudden you have a few more questions of how different things work and how different things influence energy production, and you can just search that on Google as well. There's everything online. And yeah, I, I totally recommend just joining a group and getting involved, whether it be in actually engineering and building some of these products or just a sustainability-based group, group in general. Um, so there's a ton of those on campus. I'm not saying you have to join ours, join us, join us. We need you people because we're kind of at max capacity with our charger project right now. But um, I think it does a lot for feeling like you're part of the solution when you're out there actually trying to design a sustainable product or trying to facilitate the design of a sustainable product if you're not necessarily an engineer. And that can do a lot for climate anxiety, that kind of thing. We've obviously seen a big boom in support for uh, the fight against climate change. So I think it can do a lot if you're actually joining a group like that, whether on campus or a volunteer group somewhere else, an activism group, and again, just doing research in your own time. Um, I think that helps a lot. Do you guys have any other information you want to mention? Yeah, so um, for my side, uh, when we launch our unveiling event for the solar charger, it would be awesome if everyone who listens to this can come and check it out. So there will be more information posted around as we get closer to the exact unveiling event, but it should be, should be pretty fun. And yeah, we've got our website up, ourenergydesign.wordpress.com. Uh, still has a couple more uh, design and um, content related features to be added. But what we're looking at for the website is having a blog-based system where if you click on one of the projects, you can see what's going on. You can see where the project's at, how it's progressing. There's a timeline that's going to change. And maybe just some quick notes that are like, oh, the um, solar charger is now in its testing phase to make sure it's safe and secure for people to, to use, that kind of thing. So if you're interested at all in any of our projects, you can go there and check it out. Um, we'll have some other features up and going soon. Um, and yeah, so, and posting events and such, like Daniel mentioned, that'll definitely be on there, advertised around campus. So keep your eyes and ears open. And, and yeah, any of our social media, uh, so Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, that's all linked on our website as well. So that'll be all up in there if you're interested in contacting us on any of those platforms. 
Yeah, so if anyone's interested in specifically talking with us or joining the club, you can email us at redesign at ualberta.ca. That's redesign at ualberta.ca. That was Sean Ho speaking with Matthew Daniliuk and Daniel Alexander from Renewable Energy Design, a University of Alberta student group that's passionate about establishing green innovation on campus. Thank you to our volunteers, Charlotte Thomason, Elizabeth Dowdell, and Carter Gorzitza for creating this week's episode. If you want to learn more about Terra Informa and keep up with the crew, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Terra Informa. Questions or comments? Feel free to email us at terra at cgsr.com. Terra Informa is entirely volunteer run, and we survive because of generous donations to our host studio, CJSR 88.5 FM. Consider a donation to your local radio station to keep stories like this on the air. I've been your host, Sonic Patel. Thanks for tuning in. Catch us next week right here on Terra Informa. <laughs>